people are stupid. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial 539. I'm here with Andrew and Pam. Hello, guys. How are y'all? Oh, hello. Hello. Great. How are you? Doing great. Pam, I have a question. I've had a hard time getting in touch with you this week. <laughs> What's been going on? I wonder Same. why. <laughs> have you been ignoring us? Yes. See after dark for that discussion. Literally after dark. <laughs> Pam I know, in dark. Literally. Um, yeah, so I, I feel like this kind of got national news, but not really. And I kind of wish it would have because this is so ridiculous. So as you guys might have heard, the last few years, California has just been riddled by awful wildfires. It is wildfire fire season out here. Um, where I am up in Northern California, we were kind of hit with two within the span of four years. And they were really, really bad. Just awful, awful awful fires to go through. And our electric company, PG&E, has received a lot of criticism for what's happened because I believe that with both of them, they found that the start of the fire was caused by faulty equipment that was um, kind of triggered by strong winds, which is what eventually led to the fires kind of just moving in all different sorts of directions, which is really bad because that's how they travel and they get as bad as what you see on the news. So in response, PG&E decided to cut power to, I believe, over 500,000 customers. So it's not really 500,000 people because a customer is just the person whose name is on the bill. It's way more mm. when you think about how many people are in a household, um, which might have been okay, except for the fact that everybody that was going to be affected found out less than 24 hours before it was supposed to happen. Originally, yeah. they said they were going to cut it for a few hours in the morning. And we thought, okay, like, that's fine. Routine maintenance, sometimes that happens. And then all of a sudden, it went from a few hours early morning to uh, cut power for up to five days. And Oof. everybody in the area just kind of went into a frenzy because while most people are prepared for natural disasters and have things like extra water lying around, sometimes you don't have things like extra batteries or ice or everything that you need to kind of like preserve your home and hunker down and make sure that you're going to be able to survive for five days with a, a resource that most people, you know, need to live. So right. that was a big pain in the butt. And I don't know what's going to happen, but I feel like probably you're going to be hearing more about this just because people are still so enraged yeah. that this was something that we could have had a much longer heads up about, but PG&E decided just to spring it on everybody last minute, which was really shitty. And the other thing I heard was that, so they were worried about these high winds. You guys didn't even end up having high winds. No, I mean, there were some high winds in certain areas, but not enough to merit what they did. Cutting basically. off everybody's power. Exactly. And businesses were affected too, right? Like, how did how did you survive the great blackout of 2019 not that one a few saturday nights ago i mean this past week <laughs> yeah so i guess we we should consider ourselves lucky because we were without power for about three days maybe a little bit less if you want to get technical about it it's not That's as a bad long as time 
Yeah, it's it's not as bad as it could have been, though. Like, imagine five days without electricity and all of that food going bad. And, like, thankfully, we have things like a gas stove. But before we moved into this house, my family had an electric stove. So that also would have been five days without being able to really cook. Did you have backup so, phone batteries? Yeah, it was just a lot of conserving energy, making sure that, you know, you were only using the phone when you needed to. I had my laptop charged, but there's like no internet. So, <laughs> you know, that that's kind of weird. But also that just means that like I wasn't able to get any work done because if everybody in your area doesn't have power, it's not like you can go to the coffee shop because everybody's already there. Yeah. You have to think this is going to be the new normal too, right? So that's the I guess a lot part. of people... Yeah are thinking about buying generators now. And I bet the solar business is going to be going through the roof. I know Tesla was like, hey, don't forget, people. We're in the solar business as well. Come and get Tesla solar and you'll never have to worry about blackouts again. What sorts of um, accommodations were being made locally to support people? I mean, I have to imagine local government stepped up in some way. Yeah. So I believe that every city set up their own um resource center which is good because apparently PG&E decided that one resource center per county was enough to you know make sure everybody was taken care of which is <laughs> super ridiculous like if you're planning this i i don't understand how you would think that you know that there's a lot of people in a county especially in bigger counties in the bay area mm-hmm. how like one place that everybody can go to to charge everything is going to be enough for all of these people that don't have access. So that was nice, but it's also that's like an extra cost for the city that the city was not prepared to fork over. Yeah. And you mentioned it making national headlines. You weren't sure if it did. I feel like it did. I know the New York Times was covering it and they sent out a couple push mm-hmm. notifications and the way it was portrayed is that it was really a a big mistake and it was just rolled out incorrectly and people weren't sure if they actually really needed to do it. So sorry to hear you went through it. And that's the whole thing too. And I, and I know I do want to mention too, that there's a terrible fire as, as we've seen almost every year within the past few years out in Southern California, that's still blazing. Uh, that is kind of not really related because I believe that they, uh, they PG&E like it, it, the company stretches that far, but most people don't use that. That's like, PG&E is like a Northern California company. So Mm -hmm. it's like apples and oranges, kind of. But it's kind of funny that, you know, Santa Ana wins. That's a huge problem out in Southern California. And I've never heard of the electric company out there preemptively cutting, you know, the power lines to make maintenance changes in the middle of fire weather, like when you think about it that way, which is what why they were justifying doing it out here. It's like, oh, we're trying to prevent fires and we're trying to keep you guys all safe. Well, like that's really great, but you have all of these months before it's wildfire weather to do that and like do your job, you know, mm-hmm. because you're pretending like you care about all these people, but really you just don't want to be slapped with another lawsuit because if you shut the power off, your hands are clean. And if there is a fire, <laughs> Nobody can blame you and nobody Wasn't can file, us. you know, we claims for spoiled food or all this other stuff. So it, it's just so ridiculous. It's enraging. Yeah. yeah, you sound angry about it. I don't blame you. I just worry this is going to happen more often. Yeah, that was my last week. 
just texting oh, Andrew every day. Hey, can't write news because I'm still in the dark. It's like, are you being truthful? I think you're making this up. I wish I was, honestly. <laughs> this is so ridiculous. I think I, I sent you a link to the story because it sounded so ridiculous. Like, who cuts power? Anyway, a little lighter story I wanted to bring up because this applies to our tech lives and our mental health. Instagram has removed the following tab. This was the page where you could basically stalk your friends. So now we can finally double tap in peace on Instagram. How you would access this is there was that little heart icon on the bottom of Instagram, and you would swipe over to following, and you could see in real time the photos that your friends were liking and the accounts that they were following and the photos they were commenting on. So you could really see what people were up to. And I'm talking about down to the minute. Laura liked this photo 20 minutes ago. And the reason that people were uncomfortable with this is because a you could easily see when your friends were on the phone (laughs) and that is a problem if they were ignoring your text messages or calls you know people were doing that all the time when they were being ghosted and then number two it was just a privacy nightmare they could see exactly the photos you were liking i would purposely not like certain photos because i knew that potentially other people could see it And I'm not liking or looking at like dangerous or harmful stuff or anything. I'm basically just talking about shirtless guys. But so they they got rid of it. And now you can browse Instagram in peace. I'm really happy about this. I didn't even know about this. I guess I never used Instagram to its full potential. Um, So I never looked at what my friends were liking. And I... Don't really like. I hope I never liked anything embarrassing, but I don't think so. Oh, you did. So, oh my gosh, I you did. did. Oh yeah, I was texting Mark. Can you believe she's liking oh. this shit? If I liked it, there's a chance that he was on my phone and liked it from my account. So, could also be him. I'm feeling really good about this. I think you were too, Pam. Right? Oh yeah. Good riddance. Now I can just like all of the pictures from the Dilfs of Disneyland account in peace. <laughs> don't have to hear about it from any of my friends like oh my god i can't believe you follow that account like leave me alone (laughs) let me just enjoy my carefully curated feed of like people that i know in real life but also celebrities i think are attractive but also trash accounts (laughs) like hot dudes reading and just like leave me alone it's fantastic yeah i guess i don't know i guess ignorance is bliss it wasn't something that i ever really thought about so yeah I got to live my life in peace before this, which is great. It was. So I've definitely been in that situation, though, where like somebody was ignoring me via text. And then I look in the following tab and I'm like, well, what the fuck? They're on their phone right now. I can see they like this photo of an eggplant three minutes ago. Ah. So you were probably like, I told Laura to put those confessionals in like 30 minutes ago and she hasn't said shit. She's sitting here liking photos of... (laughs) Of, of dilfs from disney dilfs and rothy shoes and all <laughs> kinds of things can't believe it laura i know you're a big breaking bad fan did you watch el camino the new movie i did i actually just watched it today what did you think i thought it was fine yeah um, to be honest it doesn't feel to me like it's consequential um yeah like you could watch all of breaking bad and never see this movie and be totally fine um but 
I think that it's got enough satisfying callbacks to the series that it's a fun watch. I will say Aaron Paul's performance is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of diving into the mental headspace of somebody like Jesse, who's been through everything that he goes through over the course of Breaking Bad. That was really cool to watch. Um, but do I feel like we needed this? Eh. Yeah. So I'm a huge Breaking Bad fan. This is the one TV show I have watched multiple times, and I will continue to binge it because I'm just obsessed with the show. Pat and I, we rewatched season five leading up to El Camino. We were super pumped. Pat really liked it. My dad also really liked it, which surprised me. But I actually felt the same way that you did, Laura. I wasn't blown away. I thought that first hour was actually kind of slow. It was nice seeing Jesse use some moves that Walt definitely would had he still been alive. And it was interesting to see what happened in the moments, days, weeks after the Breaking Bad series finale. But yeah, it didn't totally do it for me. And I I guess I just set the bar so high for myself that maybe it never would have been able to hit what I was expecting. But that's what I think, too. Um, And I think that we're all so used to Vince Gilligan being able to up the ante mm-hmm. all the time. Like you would see a season finale of Breaking Bad and be like, holy shit, <laughs> there's no way they're ever going to surpass that. And exactly. then they did. So then when it comes to this movie, your expectations are really high. And that's just its too high of a threshold, I think. But I, I thought it was fine. I think it's worth watching if you're a Breaking Bad fan. I, I agree with that. And I actually want to watch it again because, like I said, I am a huge fan. And I want to see if I'll appreciate it differently now mm-hmm. that my expectations are at a different level. So this is our confessional palooza episode. All confessionals for the remainder of the show. And then we'll wrap up with some recommendations so everybody get ready to kick back relax and hear some honesty but before that i want to tell you about our first sponsor of the week joybird fall is the season for all things cozy and there's no better place to snuggle up with a good book than your very own home and to add to that coziness you need furniture that is uniquely you So whether you're throwing a Halloween bash, hosting Friendsgiving, or just want to spend a night in with Joybird, you'll be doing it your way. Because your personal one-of-a-kind style should match your furniture. Joybird helps you do that. Because it doesn't matter if you're more of a neutral beige or a bubblegum pink person. If you can dream it, Joybird can build it. From rich, buttery leathers to the softest velvets you've ever felt, you're sure to find the fabric and texture that's right for you. Joybird offers two more fantastic unique features. First, if you need help, Joybird offers free personal design consultants to help you go from inspiration to creation. I've said before, and I really mean it, I really need help making decisions. I'm so indecisive. Luckily, Joybird is there to help me make the right choices and settle my anxiety. Second, they give you a 365-day home trial. Skip the furniture store and bring the showroom home, and you'll get free returns within the first two weeks of delivery. Create furniture that matches your own fearless style at joybird.com slash millennial 25. See how Joybird can help you make your dream space a reality today at joybird.com slash millennial 25. Again, go to joybird.com slash millennial 25 and receive an exclusive offer for 25% off your first order by using that code millennial 25. And please do use our codes. It helps advertisers know that we sent you. So thank you. So, time for the confessional, Palooza. And I just want to reflect on the confessional for a moment. Have we been doing this since the very beginning of Millennial? It's 
been since the first season. Yeah. Okay. Okay, great. I've always loved having this mm-hmm. place for people to go and just open up. I think it's a very unique part of the show. And I'm very flattered that our listeners trust this with this information and trust us for a little feedback when they're having some issues. Yeah, same. And I just want to say we got so many submissions, it would be impossible to do them all in this episode. But we're holding on to the ones that we're not getting to here today. And we will try our very best to accommodate them in future episodes. So thank you guys again. Yeah, for helping us put this together. There's a lot of really great topics here. So with that, I'll go ahead and dive into the first one. It says, I recently ran into some financial trouble at work, which resulted in what looks like will be a $10,000 a year decrease in my salary. Last month was particularly stressful as I was unexpectedly paid about half of what I normally am. My boyfriend offered to help me pay off my student loans since he has a more stable job than I do. The idea is that I would pay him a little each month to pay my student loans down. We already live together and split expenses, but I'm still not sure how to feel about his offer. Part of me wants to take him up on it so that it's no longer a burden, but the other part worries about the potential strain it may cause in our relationship with me owing him so much. What do you guys think if your significant offer... If your significant other offered to pay your debts, what would you do? Take that money. (laughs) (laughs) So you're offering to pay him back. And I think that's the really important part here. I have lent people money before. People who I'm close with, people who I trust. I like helping when I can in that regard, because sometimes I might help somebody like, hey, I'm talking like this happens all the time. It really doesn't. It's happened like two or three times. People... I know who I'm close to maybe like, hey, can I have a little bit of money to help pay down this because I'm going through that right now, similar to you are a confessional writer. And and I want to help because otherwise they might have interest that's building up on top of this debt. And by using Bank of Andrew, <laughs> which is not much of a bank at all, um, they can get rid of that debt and not have to deal with that interest. This is obviously somebody you trust, you're close with, and this is something that happens quite frequently. So I say go for it and don't feel bad about it at all. He probably wants to help really bad and it'll probably make him feel good knowing that you can help him. He can help you. And I think this does require you to look at your assets as y'all's assets because this sounds like it is a long-term committed relationship. And once you get into that kind of relationship, it does, to some degree, have to become more about like what is collectively yours, as opposed to like nickel and diming each other for how much one person has spent compared to the other person, because getting into that mentality is not healthy. But at the same time, I think that it's really good that you're thinking about how this might impact the dynamic because it would be such a large financial investment that it might be worth going to talk to a therapist about. Um, I think oftentimes when people hear like, oh, you're recommending I go to therapy, it's because they think that this person's judging them and it's not. Therapy is really good for self-reflection and just trying to work through things like this and negotiate this kind of agreement in a like safe environment that's healthy for both of you. Because just as it's important for him 
not to feel awkward about lending you the money. It has to be like, it can't be awkward for you to accept the money because if you're not both in agreement about it, then it's going to create that discord that you're fearing. So I would chat with somebody about this. I hope that made sense. It does make sense. (laughs) I honestly disagree with you. I don't think they're at that point yet, but it's not bad advice. I would just go at it differently. Mm, I I would just think about like, just do some reflecting on how your significant other has approached money and also even splitting expenses with you in the past. Because if you know that this is somebody that tends to hold things over people's head, like Laura kind of said, nickel and diming, then that's definitely not something that you probably want. And to introduce into your relationship, which which seems to be going well, other than this. But if your significant other is much more lax about it, and you know that it's going to be a non-issue, I wouldn't see a problem in doing this. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. Because you have to ask yourself the question, if the tables were turned, would you do it for him? And it sounds like the answer is yes. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're, for your question, yes, I would accept this. Mm-hmm. I accept this rose, <laughs> this very expensive rose. <laughs> well, good luck. And hey, props to you for having a cool boyfriend who's offering to do this for you. That's... Yeah, seriously. It's really nice. And like with all of our confessionals, give us an update if you have one, if you want to. And uh, hey, could I actually get a little money from your boyfriend as well? <laughs> I'll pay him back. Just one credit card I need to pay off. <laughs> Andrew's like, I'll give him a discount code for Joybird. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let him come on the show. <laughs> Free month of Patreon. <laughs> All right. How about the next one? All right. This one says, I'm 25 and I've been together with my boyfriend for two years now. He's Pakistani. I'm white. It hasn't been an easy relationship because his family does not approve of me at all. Shit really hit the fan when his mother found out that he's no longer a virgin. Not my fault. He hasn't been for 10 years and I'm his fourth sex partner. He just didn't tell her that. Now she wants us to have an Islamic wedding, two witnesses, an imam, and me converting to Islam. I told him I wouldn't be able to do that since I'm an atheist and it would feel like a lie and a betrayal towards the things I stand for. In response, his family forced him to choose between our relationship or his relationship with his family. He did neither and is going to work abroad for an unknown amount of time. He says he wants to stay in a relationship, but I just don't know what to do. I can't just go with him. I have a job I'm studying and my family lives here. I could really use some advice. I love him, but I feel like I'll always be some secret and I don't know if I'll ever have something that resembles a normal future with him. Ooh. Ooh, that's hard. Religion runs deep in families and there's going to be no getting around that. I'm afraid. Right. It's not even just religion, though. You're talking about cultures, like two different cultures. Mm -hmm. And especially when you look at, you know, cultures that are much more traditional, it's really, really hard to win families over. Like even look at, this is not a good example. Well, it is, but I know pop. Anyway, like Crazy Rich Asians, literally, this is a movie about that. And that's just because she's like the wrong type. And and unfortunately, you see that a lot in mm-hmm. in all different cultures. And um, I don't really have an answer for it, but I, I don't know. Maybe it helps to know that you're not the only one that's struggling with this. But 
Well, and something I think you need to keep in mind is your sense of self. It sounds like you're kind of feeling like in order to continue a relationship with this person, you would have to be making a lot of concessions in your life that aren't in alignment with your values. And I don't, not that I think that there's a right or wrong way to go about like finding common ground with your in-laws. But I do think that if you make concessions about things like that, that are that inherent to who you are, the relationship probably won't work. So I would just keep that in mind. Yeah. Because it sounds like he's still trying to figure things out too. I mean, this right. going to work abroad thing to kind of get away from it all and give himself the space is probably going to be a good thing for him. But I would say this is also an area where you need to be um, a little more selfish. Yeah. It, it's a good thing for him, but a bad thing for this person writing in. And it kind of sounds like he's leaving at a moment where you, when you need him most and you're at a critical juncture. So to me, of course, I don't know this relationship very well, but from this bird's eye view, it seems to me like maybe this relationship has to end because I, I can't see him choosing your relationship over family and just continuing to try and ride in the middle for as long as possible until something blows up. And I was also just ask him too, because, you know, this whole thing about him wanting you to go with him, it's like, what's going to happen when we get back? Because that's, that's the one question that I would ask. And hopefully that would allow him to kind of self-reflect because, you know, like Andrew and Laura are saying, it, it feels right now like there's no way for you to go forward mm-hmm. and you can't stay here because it's, it's a huge, clearly a huge weight for you, but also for him. All right, next one. I feel like a failure as a parent and often lose my temper yelling when my kids have temper tantrums. I don't want to be a mother who yells at her kids, especially because I already feel bad about having them in daycare while I'm working. Like most people, I also feel a lot of stress about work on a daily basis. My partner is great and helps whenever he can, but I really have reached a breaking point where I think I need to get professional help to deal with my negative self-image and the terrible way I feel every day. Basically, it feels like I'm looking forward to retirement and when my kids are older as good times and just trying to get through the bad times now, but I don't want to be miserable anymore. My problem is I'm a little embarrassed to get help because I know I am lucky compared to so many people and have a good life. I also don't even know how to find a therapist I would click with. Do you have any advice? Isn't it pretty normal to lose your temper as a parent? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, none of us here have children, but I have a feeling that what you're describing is pretty normal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. I think it's just one of those things that doesn't get talked about, unfortunately. But being a parent is hard, and you're not always going to be good at it, just like anything else in your life. Yeah. Um, in terms of finding a therapist, there are a couple of ways that you can go about it. Um, so if you have insurance... Usually, your insurance can give you a list of therapists that are in network in your area. Um, So they should have a hotline where you can literally call and request this. Um, The other thing is there are a number of websites where you can just put in your zip code and then the kind of therapy you're seeking. 
So you can find therapists who specialize in all kinds of uh, areas. Um, So you could probably find like parenting or like, I don't know if parent anxiety would be a topic, but you would probably able to find one that um, covered what it is you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to find that site. So somebody psychology me. today. <laughs> there Can we I, go. Thank you. I actually used this with um, actually with the help of Sarah, who we had on the show. We all know Sarah and mm-hmm. uh, she was yep. a really big help in um, explaining what all of these different kinds of therapy were, because there's so many and in terms like um, like CBT, for example, meant nothing to me. So doing your research or even talking with your primary care doctor and having them kind of explain, um, you know, the different types of therapy, trying to narrow down what, what might work for you. And also taking advantage of those free um, informational sessions to see if you really Mm -hmm. click with that person and, and asking them about what their process is like will really just kind of help you find somebody that will be a good fit for you. Which is the scariest part. It's like the hardest part and the scariest part. But once you find somebody, it's worth it. And therapy is like dating. So don't be discouraged if the first or even the second person don't work for you. That's totally normal. I think a lot of people go through that. I know I did. So it's worth it just to kind of get in the pool. Yeah. Outside of therapy, I wonder if you can go on Facebook and find some parenting groups and bring up this situation to people as well. And I think what you're going to find is a lot of parents are struggling just like you. My sister said to me something in December. At that point, she had had her child for about eight months. He was about eight months old. She said to me that she just isn't sure if she's doing it right. And that worries her a lot. And I was shocked. Because from my view, I look around, I'm like, everything's fine. What are you talking about? But I think parents just want the absolute best for their children. And there's perfectionism being pursued there. And they just never think they're going to hit it, especially if the kid is being a pain in the ass. But all kids can be that way. I know little Trey, my sister's son, has been, uh, you know, he's inching towards his terrible twos, as they call them. So He's been extra bratty lately, but it's it's not necessarily because Becca's doing anything wrong. It's just how kids are. So I I think on top of the therapy, going to parenting groups on Facebook or maybe some parenting websites. I'm sure you've done some Googling. Um, and then also just remember that that you're not alone in this situation. And I'm glad you're you Definitely. feel your partner's been helping you too. All right. So this is a question for all of us. Uh, the Confessi writes, since I know you're all pet havers, what do you do with your pets when you're doing the nasty? <laughs> I, st- <laughs> I started dating my now boyfriend a few months ago, and he's my first partner to have a pet. He has an adorable two-year-old Jack Russell, but after our first couple times having sex where he locked the dog out of the bedroom, he was perfectly fine with the dog hanging around or chilling on the bed with us. <laughs> I was kind of weirded out by it at first, but now I'm used to it. Is this standard for pet havers? (laughs) Inquiring minds want to know. Shall I start? (laughs) I do have feelings for sure. (laughs) So when I first moved to Chicago, I was in a studio apartment. And 
there's no putting Brooklyn in a different room when Pat and I were hooking up. So he would just like sit on the couch. And yeah, that weirded me out. And it still does to this day. Now I have a separate bedroom, so I can move Brooklyn. But now the cat is here. And the first couple of times we were hooking up, like I knew the cat was under our bed. And I'm like, the cat's (gasps) under the bed. I can't stop thinking about that. (laughs) I have now gotten used to it. But this person, the the dog is on the bed? (laughs) Like, uh, (laughs) fuck no. Fuck no. I cannot see the animal while I'm hooking up. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Uh Uh-oh. Oh no, 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 Laura. No, 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 no. Well, I'm I'm reacting to a confessional. <laughs> Do you take Canella out of the room? I don't really have to. She just kind of <laughs> I'm out takes of here. her leave. Well, yeah, like she she's she gets the hint and she's like, all right, I'm going. What a considerate like, dog. Yeah, yeah, I think it more alarms her than anything else. She's like, I don't know what the fuck y'all are doing. I'm leaving. What is all the spanking? I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> my my problem is honestly that I think I brought this up um, maybe in After Dark but Jasper is a rescue dog and he's very protective so I would just be worried that he might <laughs> he might think I was being attacked and then mm-hmm. that wouldn't be a good look so yeah he just needs to stay outside I mean I think if it makes you uncomfortable you should talk to your partner about it mm-hmm. um Maybe this is just a super chill dog. <laughs> like, I don't know. Or maybe you have a giant bed. I don't know. I don't know how this works. But I feel like you should probably talk to him about it because I think it, it would be normal to be a little uncomfortable with this. It, I, I think for me, it's just the animal watching. Like, or like sleeping during it. I don't, it's just, it's just bizarre. Obviously, you're or not. Like, what if it like I don't know? Like, what if it gets curious about what's going on? There is that right, risk as well. Starts, like licking your foot. <laughs> yeah, or something else. <laughs> no, thank you. <sighs> there have been times where like me and Pat are sitting here in the living room, and like Pat'll start blowing me at like on the couch, and I'm like, um, Brooklyn is right there on the ottoman <laughs> um can we not do this right here please like i will so stop like i will child, say so that probably doesn't help either exactly and i'm just i can't focus because all i can think about is brooklyn being mere feet away so I'm like can we please get up and like yeah okay it can be fun to hook up in like the living room from time to time or something but none of the dogs there so basically it never happens <sighs> like how would you feel if he was laying in a bed on the floor in a bed on the fl- like a dog bed yeah. on the floor. Yeah, I I take we, I, we take them out hundred percent of the time. But like the cat, if the cat is deep under the bed, it's really not worth trying to reach under there and pull the cat out. Do you ever get afraid that you're gonna like break the bed and crush the cat? <laughs> well, I'm glad you think we have sex that is that <laughs> vigorous, but <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> Honestly, that's what would distract me the most is just the possibility that, you know, like maybe there would be an earthquake or I don't know. And then the cat would be under the bed. Yeah. And that's a problem, of course, whether or not you're having sex on that bed. But I will give Pat credit. The past two times we've had sex, uh, he did take the cat out 
listening to my concerns. So I do appreciate that. Before she can run under the bed, it's like a race <laughs> to grab her before she goes under the bed. <laughs> it does. It does suck though because it kind of does take some of the spontaneity out of the moment to have right. to like account for where the animals are. Let's pause. Grab the animal. Move them out. Shut the door. And go. I really want to know if, like, other listeners, what do you do? Like, do any of you also let your dog stay on the bed? I'm sure it's more common than we think it is. Oh, I'm sure it is. I think it's just one of those things people don't talk about. Right. Let's do a Patreon poll for that. I don't want my mom and sister seeing that poll on social media. That's a good idea. I hope your mom doesn't listen to the show. Oh, God. I'm quitting the show if she does. She might be like, yeah, Andrew, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Me and your father let Riley stay in the room. (laughs) Oh, mom, no, no. Okay, this one says, my husband and I are in a polyamorous relationship and have been for about six years now. If I do tell people, I tend to use the term open marriage because people seem to understand that better. But poly is actually more accurate. Sometimes it might just be about sleeping with other people, but sometimes we form real emotional relationships with others as well. It's made us stronger and given us opportunities with others that have made us better people. However, there can be a lot of negativity surrounding this lifestyle. Men tend to think, oh, sorry. Men tend to assume I'll sleep with them no matter what. Lots of people think we're doing it because our marriage or sex life isn't working. Not true. While we told many friends, I can't imagine what the reaction would be if family or coworkers found out. I'm really happy about my life, but kind of hate having to hide that part of myself. Wanted to share somewhere to try and normalize the poly lifestyle a little bit more. I could talk about it and maybe someday I will be brave enough to share more publicly. Thank you for sharing this with us. I, I agree with you. I think that being in polyamorous relationships is one of those hurdles that we as a society have not been able to like get over our... Um, sort of aversion to. And that's too bad because I think as long as all the adults in the relationship are consenting and happy with how things are going, then I don't see the problem. Yeah, absolutely. I think a problem, I think a reason that this type of thing won't work for a lot of people is because there are a lot of security issues. People would start feeling really insecure for me, yeah, absolutely no yeah. judgment, but I just can't imagine opening the relationship up to other people because then I'm thinking about how the other people are feeling, if I'm about to be tossed aside, stuff like that. Yeah, well, and also, I mean, you're just a monogamous person. Right. I think that... I think that our sort of tendencies towards monogamy or polygamy are probably things that are hardwired. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think that they're choices. So, of course, you'd be more comfortable with monogamy. I'm more comfortable with monogamy. Like, I cannot imagine having to contend with multiple romantic partners. To me, that sounds exhausting. <laughs> yeah. But... That's not the case for everybody. We're all different. And as like I said, as long as everybody's consenting and and of legal age, then what the fuck's the problem? Nothing. Just getting a lot of judgment from people, I'm sure, is very annoying. 
But I understand, though, what this person is saying. It's it's hard when you feel like you're hiding such a big part of your life because, you know, they also mentioned forming real bonding relationships with other people. It's like that's somebody that you now have to hide because you're married to this one person and everybody knows that you're married. I could see how that could really eat you up inside. If you really, truly love this other person that's also involved. But yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like um, more and more we, as a society, start to open up about different lifestyles. And um, my policy has always been like, if it's not hurting me, it's not hurting anybody else, then, you know, you do you. Uh, and and maybe someday we'll get there. But yeah, well, like with a lot of things, it has to be normalized first. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to see it on television more. Right now, there is that one show, but it's on like TLC. S- Sister I- Wives? Yeah, and they're yeah. all made out to be crazy. So I don't think <laughs> that show's not helping. But I don't know. Maybe we could see that kind of plot line on like a modern family or I don't know any of the- this is us. <laughs> any of these shows, it-, it just needs to be normalized first. I'd watch a show like that, a scripted drama. Sure. Yeah. Oh, by the way, in reference to the dog question, um, Sam in the Discord says, no dog in the room. He cries outside the door. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that equally distracting? Yeah, it would be. I also just made the the poll on Patreon. It's a close race so far. Five people said, yes, the pet can stay in the room. Seven have said, hell no, they're getting kicked out. So it's neck and neck. Vote quickly. Oh, now it's up to 10 for hell no, they're getting kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next confession. I think I might be a narcissist. No, I didn't write this email. For example, (laughs) if I'm listening to my music loudly in the car and get to a stoplight, my immediate thoughts are whether it's too loud, if the people next to me can hear what I'm listening to, if they think it's cool, or if I look full of myself. I'm constantly worried about how I look, even though I know I'm not conventionally attractive. I think that the things that I have to say sound smarter or seem relevant and later realize that they're not either. I find that anymore, I don't even know if I'm doing things because I enjoy them or if it's because I feel like it will make people have a desired opinion of me. I think other people are constantly judging me or looking for things in me. I've vaguely considered therapy or counseling, but I live in an area where something like that isn't necessarily accessible. I would look online, but I'm also not sure I could afford it. I'm really looking to see if feeling like other people are looking at you or judging you for something is a feeling that others have. I think to an extent that is a feeling others have. Um, I can relate to the car example, especially when it comes to like, is my music too loud at a stoplight? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't really think too much about like how people think of how I look in my car listening to my music, though. I don't know. What do y'all think? Are you singing when you do it? Because then you would look like a rock star <laughs> with that um, hair. I mean, I do still, I do sing, but like I turn nice. down the volume because I tend to belt it out when I sing in the car, and I'm afraid that at a stoplight it might be so loud that like other cars around me with their windows down might hear it, but not hear you. Well, maybe they'd hear me. I don't know, but that's why I turn the music down so that I'm not like belting it out. You know what I mean? I'll belt it out too, but then if I get to a stoplight, I'll. I'll turn it down. I'll like pretend I'm talking on the phone or something. (laughs) Just just at a lower level. (laughs) For me, I think it's more socially. And I think it partly has to do with this podcast. Like I'm always trying to think about is what I'm saying right now of interest to other people? Am I wasting other people's time? 
Do people even want to bother with me right now? I think about that a lot. That's why I never hang out with other people. I'm like, I don't want to inconvenience people with my presence. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah, I, I struggle with this a lot. I um, ha- I desperately just want everybody to love me. It sounds really bad, but it's it's not even... Uh, it's not even like I want everybody to think I'm conventionally attractive. I just, I just want to be liked, you know, I want to walk away from having met somebody or having had a conversation and then being like, oh yeah, like she, she seems nice, you know, as long as it's positive, like that's all I want. And, and it can get to a point where it really kind of, um, disrupts your day to day, you know, like if I'm feeling particularly self-conscious, Maybe I won't want to leave the house that day because I'm scared that like the check stamp person will think I was too rude or something. It's something somebody that like I'm never going to see ever again. So I definitely yeah. relate to what you're saying. Um, highly would recommend therapy. Therapy always helps, <laughs> but also um, you know sites nowadays like Talkspace even they allow you to apply for financial aid. So even though the base price might seem really expensive, you can actually get a pretty good deal on, you know, the weekly charge or the monthly charge. And um, specifically, I uh, do cognitive behavioral therapy with my therapist, and that really helps a lot. And I feel like maybe that might help you too. Something that she always says to me is, what other people think of me is none of my business. Um, So that really helps just reminding myself of that. And also just um, reminding myself that most likely, and it can be a huge blow, especially if this is something that really bothers you. Like most people are not going to remember you anyway, if they just pass you on the street. So I don't know. Hopefully that helps. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think sometimes we all have to remind ourselves that we're not the center of the universe. And it, it sounds terrible saying it, but it, it's sort of like when you're when you're thinking about like, oh, I said this thing and it was totally wrong and everybody thought that it sucked. Like that is the exact opposite uh, end of the spectrum from thinking like, oh my God, I said this thing and it was so impactful and everybody loved it and I'm just the greatest. In both scenarios, you're definitely seeing yourself as somebody who has like a strong gravitational pull. And while there are magnetic personalities like that, for most of us, like when our friends and and peers go home for the day, they're probably not thinking about that thing that you said. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be like, I don't know. I've I've also had a therapist say that to me too, Pam. (laughs) And in the moment, you're kind of like, oh, ouch. (laughs) Yeah. The first time you hear it, Um, it's rough. But the more you hear it, the more it starts to sink in. And then it's it's actually comforting, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah, no, it it does get super comforting. And also, if if that seems too harsh, think about how much it bothers you, you know, like everything that you're worried about. And then you have to think about all of the other people that you interact with day to day. They're worried about their own shit. So it's not even that you're not great. They're just too wrapped up in what they're doing, where they're Mm -hmm. going, what's going on in their lives to pay you any mind. Right. I feel this way often about the podcasts because I'll be sitting here editing and I'm like critiquing myself left and right and, you know, decisions we're making and stuff like that. I become consumed with it. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, everything's wrong. Everything's awful. 
And then I'm done editing, I release it, and I step out of the house and then and then finally get some fresh air. And I'm like, oh, wait, the world doesn't revolve around the podcasts or any of my other work. That's nice. But it really does consume me. And it stresses me the hell out. Yeah, I can relate to that sometimes, too. Like, if after a show, I feel like I wasn't on point, or I didn't make a point in the way that I wanted to... I'll be like in my head shitting on myself being like, Mm -hmm. God, I just wasn't prepared for that. I should have thought about this more. And then the episode comes out and it's fine. Mm -hmm. So I definitely don't think you're alone. But I think that if it's getting to the point where it's disrupting you multiple times a day, it would be a good idea to talk to somebody. And I think this is also kind of like everything we've talked about so far, really common. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then because you don't let it out, and that's why the confessional is good, you're keeping it to yourself and you're assuming it it only concerns you and nobody else has this problem. But really, every single problem has already been experienced before by a million different people. And it's it's hard to remember, but it's something we have to remind ourselves every day. Maybe I'll, I'll put it on a, a t-shirt or an inspirational poster. You're not alone, narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> We're all narcissists. Right. (laughs) Also, it just like, just remember, it takes time. So be kind to yourself. Like, it's really easy to give advice. It's really easy for me to sit here and be like, do X, Y, Z, or this is what's helps me. But like, it's a daily battle. And that's okay. Because slow progress is still progress. So keep that in mind. Well, something not narcissistic is wanting to make sure you're wearing a good bra. Lots of women are wearing the wrong size and don't even know it, which is where our next sponsor, Third Love, can help. Third Love uses data points generated by millions of women who have taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast size and shape in mind. Not all tatas are created equal, so why should women have to wear bras that are generally only geared towards one shape? Third Love takes into account shapes like side set, athletic, asymmetric, relaxed, and more. Plus, every customer gets 60 days to wash it, wear it, and put it to the test. If you don't love it, return it, and Third Love will watch it and give it to a woman in need. Pam, we've both been rocking our Third Love bras for around a year now. How is yours holding up? I'm wearing mine today. (laughs) By pure happenstance. I'm wearing mine right now. (laughs) (laughs) No, in all seriousness, it's actually held up super well in the wash and it's still just as soft as ever, which is really nice. I think that we've talked before about how much we love the memory foam Mm -hmm. and it's, it's just, it's still lovely. It's like a little hug. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like a lot of bras can end up getting like pitting on them, you know, where like they get the little rolled up balls of fabric on them from like multiple wears and this isn't a problem I've had with my third love bras. Yeah. Um, a good material, too. It's not itchy. You know, a lot of the, yeah. the cheaper bras, you, know, you think you're getting a good deal, but it's it's just super uncomfortable. So that's really nice, too. Yeah. And then you put it on and it feels like you're wearing a plastic corset. <laughs> yes. Nobody wants that. No, nobody does. I wore mine to a wedding this weekend, actually, and this was a pretty active wedding. Um, these are friends who really like to drink and dance and have a great time. And this bra did not let me down. I was comfortable and supported all night, which was great. 
Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash millennial now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash millennial for 15% off today. This one says, it's been three months since my abortion and I still cry about it every day. I can't even say the word abortion out loud, even though I don't regret my decision. I'm still grieving the loss of my could have been child and often think about what my life would have been like if I were five months pregnant right now. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I also want to say, like everything else we've talked about today, this is normal. Mm. This is a totally normal reaction um, to having an abortion just from... Just from like anecdotes I've heard from people, when you get pregnant, your life is going to change whether you have the child or not, right? One way or the other, you are making a decision that is life-changing. And I, you know, I don't think either choice is wrong, but to say that people come out the other end of an abortion always feeling like they made the right choice or like feeling secure in that choice, I think would also be incorrect. I think it's really normal to question this and to feel, you know, grief yeah, about this because it's it's a choice you probably you didn't want to have to make, mm-hmm. obviously. And th- three yeah. months isn't even that long in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. I think that it's perfectly okay that you're still feeling this way. Yeah, I I knew somebody who um uh she didn't feel the sense of guilt about her abortion until around the time the baby would have been born. And that was really hard for her, but she still felt like she made the right choice. It was just hard to think about the what ifs. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Like, it doesn't have to be this, like, the binary thing where you're either okay with it or you're not. I think it's totally normal to be in that, like, middle gray area. And I think that's where most of us live. All right. Changing gears. I'm a 27-year-old gay man from Pittsburgh. My confessional is that although I have been out of the closet since my 20th birthday, I have been living the lie that I have had sexual intercourse with a woman during my college years. I'm a proud gay man, but every time I get asked about having sex with a woman, I still tell the lie. Perhaps it's some internal homophobia or toxic masculinity that I can't let go of. Either way, I still lie about my gold star gay status. (laughs) That's super interesting. Yeah. I I do wonder what that is. I do agree it could be a mix of internalized homophobia and toxic masculinity. I do recommend reading this book called The Velvet Rage. It's by a psychologist who uh, hits on both of those topics. Really, that's what the book is about, those two things, and about how other people have grappled with it. It sounds to me like you would be really proud if you actually did have sex with a woman it sounds like you want to have sex with a woman to me and you've convinced yourself that it's true 
Oh, re- that's not how I read this no, confessional. I was actually going to um, say that I wonder if this is somebody who constantly gets asked, like, well, how do you know you're gay if you haven't tried it, you know? Yeah. Which is so common. Mm. And I-, I could see this being a response to that, if that's something that's happened to this person their whole life, because it- you just don't have to explain it. You don't have to go there. You just, you've come up with a something that's just going to get people to stop talking. It's like, oh, yeah, I I know I'm gay because I already tried it with a woman and it wasn't for me. Maybe. Well, but when the reality is you don't need to have tried it to know that you're not into it. Right. I guess this is one of those situations where we need more info. But in gay circles, sometimes the question comes up, have you had sex with a woman? Because it is an interesting question for for gay people to ask others. And like he said... (laughs) You can call yourself a gold star gay, and it's funny because you, because it's just a funny phrase. I think I introduced Laura to it a few months ago, right? Gold star gay. <laughs> yep. I had no idea what that was. Now you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. But here's somebody who actually doesn't want to say that. And I, we don't know who he's answering to exactly. I guess that would make a big difference. But this is not anything that we don't know. But it's so hard to be gay because it is hard. Some people would judge you if this were true. You know, that you're not a gold star gay. And then other people are like judging you for, you know, questioning whether or not you actually really know what your sexuality is. It's so messed up. And I'm so sorry that, you know, anybody has to deal with that. Well, wait, I actually don't think anyone would judge you for being a gold star gay. It's completely understandable. People will judge you if you're some people will judge you if you're not a gold star gay. Uh, Well, no, no, that's what I mean. I don't think. They would judge you if you weren't a gold star gay, because let's say you're younger and you're still unsure of who you are. Every person's gone through that at some age. So it, it's it'd be normal to, to have sex with a woman because maybe you thought you were straight at the time. You were completely convinced that you were straight, in fact, or maybe you were unsure and you wanted to test the waters. Well, that makes me feel better to know because I, I, I know I'm just talking about just like specific people that I know in my life that have said they've gotten some shit for, for that. Oh, let, let me talk to them. I'll make them feel yeah, better. Yeah. And it just, it's them. always made me feel really sad because it's like, you can't win. Yeah. Yeah. That does suck. That does but it's suck. different in every circle too. So one person's experience isn't as indicative as like, of the whole community so that makes sense but. yeah that's just sounds immature to me to make fun of somebody all right our next one reads my significant other and i spent the summer apart long distance because he wanted to take a summer job across the country i started a master's program abroad in september so i packed up all my things and moved far away the plan was for him to join me here a few weeks after i moved in Over the course of the summer, I feel as though we drifted apart and my feelings about him have changed. No third parties involved, if you're wondering. I'm just not really interested in continuing the relationship, but now I'm stuck with, but now I'm stuck with this expensive apartment I can't afford on my own. What would you guys do if you were me? Break it off and live in increasing debt or continue uncomfortably and disinterestedly in the relationship for the next year or so that I can split the rent? Not to mention how badly I feel for him. He's in the dark about these thoughts of mine, and I feel bad that he could be happier with someone else. Any advice appreciated? I wonder, I know you said it was a one bedroom uh, in a part that Laura didn't read. I Would you be comfortable sharing this with somebody else, even though it is a one bedroom? Because that could potentially solve the problem. Maybe a, a bunk bed or 
split beds on opposite sides of the room or maybe there's a, like a nook area in the living area that somebody could throw a a double bed in that way you could split it and then you you could still keep this place but look one of the shitty parts of relationships is that sometimes you're gonna have to get get rid of an apartment sooner than you want to and uh <laughs> you might have to break that lease and and pay up just to put yourself in a better situation yeah and i would say that um sticking with your boyfriend just to split the rent would be really unfair yeah. to him don't do that to him and yourself really why put yourself yeah. through that yeah and i mean it's it you're right to say you feel bad that he could be happier with someone else you might be happier with someone else mm-hmm. i think that you should free you know both of you up to be able to pursue relationships that might be more meaningful it also sounds like they've been far apart for a while. So what if you can... Well, you don't want him to just come out there and move right in. Can you like go visit him real quick? Or he come visit you temporarily so you can test the waters? Could it be that you're burnt out on the relationship because you haven't seen him in a while, maybe? That could be a factor. I think it's also worth being open with him. I mean, you were close enough that he was going to move abroad with you while you did a master's program. I feel like that kind of warrants a conversation just to be like, hey, how are you feeling? Mm -hmm. I've been feeling like we're kind of distant. Do you feel the same way? Because if if you feel like it's distant, I feel like he'd have to be pretty out of touch not to get some sense of that from you. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So I don't know. I think you should I think you should talk to him about it. And if it's clear that it's done, then let it be done. And unfortunately, when that happens, like Andrew said, you kind of got to suck up the apartment situation. It blows. I'm sorry. That's why I try to push people away from moving in with their significant other for as long as possible, because (laughs) once you do that, it's over. It's over. Wow. I'm sure Pat loves hearing that. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, you are in that relationship now. There is no getting out of that easily. That's all I mean. If you're living together, going through that breakup is 100 times worse with splitting up your belongings, with getting out of the apartment, with then both of you have to find new places to live. There's months potentially where you're both still living in the same space and you know you're breaking up. Just a lot of problems with moving in. (laughs) A lot of risk. (laughs) But I did like your suggestion of finding another roommate, though. I I would, Mm -hmm. if I were you, if you just are trying to put off this conversation, maybe put out feelers and see if anybody's looking for a place. I know it kind of sucks to not have access to one room, but, you know, people do it all the time in these really expensive cities where they rent a one one bedroom, one person takes the living room and puts a screen up and the other person takes the bedroom. It's definitely yeah. doable. Or maybe see if you can sublet it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Subletting or finding somebody to take over the lease. Sometimes landlords will let you do that. All right, Pam, next one. This one reads, my confession is that that sometimes I tell my family that I go to the basement to do laundry, but instead I'm just hiding from our two small kids and watching a TV show on my phone in peace and quiet. Oh my gosh, this one speaks to my soul. No judgment there. 
Everybody yeah. needs a break. Yeah. My family probably thinks that I have like the stomach problems or something because over the holidays, I'm constantly <laughs> in the bathroom. I just need a break. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't care if they think that I have like diarrhea or whatever. I just like, it's fine <laughs> because Worth I get it. some peace and quiet and I don't have to deal with it. And it sounds to me like this this writer feels guilty for yeah. needing some space. I don't think that's something you should feel guilty about. We all need it. I would just say maybe this isn't something you need to keep from your partner. Like maybe you can let your partner know, hey, some you know, when I go down to do laundry, I like to get a little bit of me time. So I'm going to watch a TV show down there. And maybe you won't feel as bad about it at that point. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, I mean, especially when you have young children like that, you know, from what I understand, solo time is a valuable and precious commodity. It feels so like Pam. I'm so with you, Pam, on (laughs) taking a break in the bathroom during the holidays. Like, I think I actually exhale loudly (laughs) when I get away from everybody for a moment. Right. Ah, Load up Instagram, bring up the following feed. See how many minutes ago it was that Pam liked Dilfs of Disneyland. Sit on the on the sill of the um the tub. And- yeah, and same thing when I'm just home with my parents. Like, oh my god, just go in my bedroom, close the door, be left alone. Yeah, I'll offer to walk people's dogs too. Like if I'm over at my yeah. aunt's house, it's like, oh, we gotta walk the dog. I'll do it. <laughs> I'll be back in two hours. Yeah, definitely, especially when you're an introvert. You really need that time to recharge because being around a lot of people with high energy all the time just saps your energy. So it's nothing to be like be ashamed of. Next confession. One of my jobs as a teenager was cleaning the general store in my small hometown. One night, I brought my boyfriend at the time to the store and we had sex in the store. My adult self just shakes my head at how stupid that was, but it makes for a good confessional now. I actually don't think this is stupid at all. What's so stupid about this? No, this is a good teenage story. Yeah. So what? You know, it's funny. Um, when I worked at Target, there were a couple of employees there who did this, and they got caught on camera. Right. <laughs> so the I would camera say that's the big one. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> the thing that makes it stupid. Yeah. So, or like this person said, night. So was it after hours? Because that's totally okay too. If you Is did it? it well, because the store's <laughs> closed, nobody's gonna walk in. I mean, if you're having sex in the store and like a child walks in, yeah, that is stupid. That's a problem. <laughs> you were an idiot. But if it's after hours and nobody's gonna see you, then who cares? I mean, it is private property. Yeah. I always wonder about this. Like, what is it about like a grocery store that just turns you on? <laughs> it's, you're like, oh well, yeah. Isn't that allegedly the best down. place to meet people? Is it? Uh, apparently, you know, while you're fondling, I don't know, the avocados in the produce <laughs> aisle. <laughs> well, I think people like the thrill of being somewhere in public, Laura. I guess, but there's like a lot of public places you can go that aren't private property. That's part of the thrill, I guess. Uh, I had I sex guess. once, I, I think I've it. said this on the show, in a New York City bathroom at a restaurant. How do you feel about that? Well, at least you were in a bathroom. Like you you had some sort of semblance of privacy. <laughs> but it's still private property. It is, but there's not any chance of you being caught on camera or like a night janitor like 
finding you. Mm. See, the thing is, like, small hometown leads me to believe that nobody's going in and out. And there's probably no cameras because everybody trusts everybody. So, yeah, yeah, that's true. Anyway, TLDR, this isn't too bad. (laughs) Enjoy telling that story to friends. I would. Yeah. Andrew's like it's not as bad as letting your dog stay on the bed while you're fucking (laughs) that's bad (laughs) that's crazy our next one reads I need some ideas for getting motivated to do literally anything else but sit on my ass and endlessly scroll through social media or play games on my phone I'm overweight and want to do something about it but I can't seem to get the motivation I've considered joining the gym but I know how that usually goes based on my past history there isn't much to do where I live and most of my friends don't live anywhere near me. I find it hard to make new friends as I'm introverted and very socially awkward. So any tips on actually getting motivated to do, well, anything? I'm turning 35 next year and I've been overweight for two thirds of my life. I've had enough, but I obviously don't care enough or else I'd surely have done something about it by now. I can understand that feeling of when you go to the gym, you're you're not feeling motivated to do so. I think you should try to find some enjoyment at the gym. And I think a great way to start is just go in, hop on a treadmill, a slight incline, bring an iPad or your phone and watch some of your favorite TV shows while you're taking a somewhat strenuous stroll on the treadmill. That can really help help pass the time. I see people doing that a lot. Yeah, and that might be a pretty good idea if you tell yourself there's a specific show that you want to watch, but you can only watch it at the gym. Yeah. Or it's it's just a great way to multitask and catch mm-hmm. up on TV. And that way, you're not feeling like a piece of shit just sitting on the couch watching television, doing nothing with your body. At least you're moving it around while you're catching up on your favorite television shows. You could even do it with, with, like, with podcasts or with this show. Like, I'm only going to yeah. listen to millennial... If I take a walk around the block Mm -hmm. and just, you know, take us with you while you stroll. The reason I say watching is because I think that can help be more distracting. So you're not you're thinking less about what you're actually doing. But the treadmill sometimes like it doesn't work for people. My biggest advice is just finding something that works for you. And it doesn't even have to be traditional exercising. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe there's a an adult league sports team that you that might be interesting to you you could join that or um you know even like dancing if you like dancing you could dance for 30 minutes in your room Mm -hmm. all different kinds of stuff it doesn't necessarily have to be a traditional form of exercising as long as you're getting your body moving that's i think that's the main goal yeah totally and i also think that a mistake that a lot of us make um and it it was a mistake that i made for a number of years is thinking that you have to just go to the gym for like hours to be able to see any kind of um, results. That's not true. When you're just starting out, you can literally do 10 minutes a day because that 10 minutes a day is way more than you were doing before. Mm-hmm. And it's a good place to start to just ramp yourself up and get yourself to a point where you do have a higher endurance level. So don't feel like you have to like start out big and be going to the gym for an hour every single day because you're probably going to burn yourself out if you do that. Start small. This is a general tip, not necessarily for this person, but in terms of gym motivation, 
I really lean lean on Spotify playlists. And of course, if you have Apple Music, that's fine too. But just listening to a fresh collection of music every day really helps keep the workouts fresh as well because I'm getting unexpected tunes each day. And, and, you know, you can find playlists that match what you're doing at the gym. Even if it's just like a leisurely stroll on a treadmill or an elliptical, or you're doing something more intense, like you can find something that matches your mood at the gym. And also, to Pam's point about walking around, maybe try getting into Pokemon Go or Harry Potter Wizards Unite. People became addicted to those games and then they were walking around all the time because they just wanted to keep playing and advancing in the game. And people were losing weight. Pat lost weight because one summer he was doing nothing but playing Pokemon Go, walking all over Chicago. Yeah. Or just like if if there's a show that you really like that you're familiar with, say like, I don't know, like Riverdale, for example, you could make it a game and just think to yourself, okay, every time this character does this, I'm going to do 10 jumping jacks. Mm-hmm. And that way, while you're binging, you're still getting some exercise in and you don't have to leave the house. How great is that? <laughs> right. Yeah. Also, there's a number of um, channels that you can follow on YouTube that'll give you at-home workouts. And I mean, there's even like Beachbody On Demand. <laughs> right, Andrew? One of our sponsors. Yeah. I like Fitness Blender as well. Sorry that that's not one of our sponsors. It's okay. Um, but they they have a lot of really good like at home 20, 30 minute workouts. And they actually show you the um, modified exercises that you can do that are low impact if you're just getting started. So I'd recommend starting there as well. Pat saw my poll about pets in the room while having sex because he's a patron <laughs> And he said, was this your confessional? <laughs> He's probably like that bastard. I knew he didn't want Charlie under the bed. He said right. it was okay. <laughs> this poll is still kind of neck and neck. 19 people say, hell no, the pet's getting kicked out. 14 people say, yeah, the pet can stay in the room. Yeah, I definitely think this is a topic that resonates with people. Um, Kay in the Discord said, I considered submitting a confessional about how guilty I feel kicking our dog out of the room to have sex. <laughs> <laughs> we feel too guilty kicking the dog out sometimes but i kind of do too because they're just laying there trying to sleep and you want to take over the bed because you're horny wow all right next one i'm 27 years old and a few months ago i had the opportunity to hook up with an 18 year old he hit me up on grinder and was very persistent even though i said no for several hours He kept sending me messages and I eventually said yes, but it was so late in the day that he couldn't get out of his parents' house because they gave him a curfew, which I found odd because it was summer and he's 18. In the end, I think I'm glad I didn't actually hook up with him, but I was very tempted and would have gone through with it if it weren't bizarre circumstances. I didn't tell any of my close friends about it because I'm worried they might judge me for wanting to sleep with an 18-year-old, but I wanted to get it off my chest. Woo! Look, he's legal. (laughs) Yeah. He like, yes, legally, there's nothing wrong here. I do feel weird about it, though. Yeah, I can see your point of view, but I I also don't really see the big deal here. Nine year difference. There's nine year differences. 
in lots of different relationships and sexual hookups. I mean, there's 20, 30 year differences. Like, should a 50 year old feel bad because they're hooking up with a 30 year old? Well, I think the maturity levels play a large role here. There would be, I would have, I would feel less weird about it. In fact, I wouldn't feel weird at all if it was a 27 year old dating someone nine years their senior. Yeah. Because those maturity levels are a lot closer. Yeah. Um, I mean, at, at the end of the day, like you didn't do anything wrong because this person was legal and of age and they could consent to you. But I do wonder about like how that would like, how good do we think he would have been? Like, <laughs> well, maybe that was the thrill. <laughs> There's a thrill there too, right? People like hooking up with virgins because they haven't had sex before. So I've never understood that, but <laughs> <laughs> oh, Laura, I got to show you the ropes gotta teach you all the kinks like they're not any good if they've never done it before but that's exciting you're teaching somebody no Ooh, teaching i want to see this 18 year old's profile on grinder like did he did he come no and i (laughs) that came off came out the wrong way kind of did he look immature in the profile like did he look like a child in the profile or did he look like he had his shit together like (laughs) was he surrounded by toys in his parents bedroom like yeah that's weird that's weird surrounded by toys is it somebody who looks like uh uh an older 18 year old but Maybe. the ages aren't the ages on the profiles anyway. Yeah, I'm saying, did it look like a mature 18 year old, or did it look like a underage 18 year old? Because if he looked like a kid, if he looked like he could be your younger brother who was 17 or 16, then yeah, maybe you should stay away from that. But maybe if he came off very professional and wise beyond his years, <laughs> I know on Grinder that's a weird thing to think about, but. I'm just trying to stand up for this guy because it was a legal <laughs> yeah. guy. They're both on Grinder for hookups. He was going to do it. He probably would have had a good time. Hopefully, he genuinely was 18 because then Dateline NBC would have been knocking on your door otherwise. Well, maybe they would have, except it didn't work out. <laughs> right. Maybe this was a setup. I do wonder, and Andrew, maybe you can speak to this, if there's a difference in perception here based on the fact that this was a gay coupling yeah like is are are the age differences less stigmatized in the gay community ooh good question i don't know if they're less stigmatized i really don't know cuz for example i have a friend who is like super into bears um and he like consistently dates men who are far older than him. And I remember like when he was really, really young, I felt a little weird about it, but it didn't seem like that was taboo, at least in like his circle of friends. Mm -hmm. And like now that we're like 30, it it literally does not matter. But I do wonder if maybe that's a stigma that doesn't exist as much. I think you're on the right track. I think there is less of a stigma in the gay community because everybody's just obsessed with dicks and how many they can suck in a week. And as long as yeah. they're legal, it doesn't really matter because guys right. are always horny and they just want to fuck. Yeah, I was going to make that distinction by I, I don't mean like age differences with people who are underage. Yeah, of course. Definitely of, course. of age and above. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, yeah, I th- I think you're right. Okay. I think you're right, okay. and that's why I'm saying it's okay for this person to hook up. Go find him on Grinder and make it happen. Let us know how it goes. Hopefully, he's actually <laughs> yeah. I Check mean, his ID it, first. It is it is okay. Like I don't think that this is something you should feel bad about at all. I think it's probably probably some of my internalized perceptions of like age appropriate relationships that shouldn't necessarily be applied to other people's lives yeah and that's fine you know come to think of it laura i was around 18 when i was hooking up with older guys you were around really yeah where were you then to tell me no you probably didn't know what was happening (laughs) yeah i was gonna i was gonna say like i remember matt (laughs) right yep i didn't want to mention him but you did so (laughs) (laughs) but like i don't like and i well i'm not gonna name the other people i know but like they were all like within like a five year-ish range of you yeah like yeah i guess like you were 18 and they're like early 20s uh huh. Yeah, I get. I don't know how much older is Matt. I can't even remember. I want to say four or five years ish. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's kind of the same thing. It, it all depends. I was wise beyond my years at when I was eighteen, right? So that's why it was okay. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and for the record, uh, I feel like I need to put this out there. I have never had sex with anyone a year or more younger than me. It's maybe two years max. But but see, you feel the need to make that disclaimer. <laughs> because you guys are sitting here judging me for no. what I'm saying. No. No, it's, it's not. But a, I get what Laura's saying, too, because 18 is still, that's like fresh out of high school, basically I do get a that. child. I do get that. And that's why yeah. I think it's important to review this person. What type of 18-year-old is he? Yeah. But, <laughs> but I will say that, like, I once... <laughs> went out on a few dates with somebody that was about oh god like six years younger than me and I didn't know until the third date and I said oh we can just go to happy hour and he said oh but I'm not 21 yet and I thought he was joking <laughs> that's an important line as well if I'm 21 or older, I don't want to date somebody who can't drink. That's weird. Right. My Well, my line for a long time was always 21. Now that's like way too young, so I can't. But but it was really weird. It, it like I put the brakes on super fast because mm-hmm. that made me uncomfortable. And that's not yeah. even like it's not as bad, I don't think. But no. I still felt. Yeah. I mean, when I was in college, I was when I was like 22, I went on one date with a 19 year old and it was awful. And it was largely due to maturity issues that probably didn't have anything to do with this guy being 19. He just was immature. But I remember after that, I was like, nope, I'm never going to date a younger guy again. And here I am now. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say I have dated um, younger guys and and it is. 100% about the maturity level and sometimes well all the time or else I would still be with any number of these people there's always something that happens and you're like oh yeah you just showed your age and like this is not good because I'm not going to be able to get past this very important thing so well 
Unlike some of today's confessionals, our next sponsor is Safe for Work, and it's an item that can be worn every day. Rothy's is the company making stylish shoes for women and girls out of recycled plastic water bottles. Not only are these machine washable, they're insanely comfortable. I wore mine to a wedding this weekend, and they actually were like a huge lifesaver for me. Um, They look sophisticated enough for a fancy wedding while also not killing my feet in the process, so I was able to dance and drink the night away without any blisters or any drunken stumbles, at least that I remember. Rothy's are the everyday flats for life on the go. They're stylish and versatile and will go with anything from dresses to yoga pants. They come in a wide range of styles and colors and are available in four different silhouettes. I've been rocking my plum pointed flats with baby blue racing stripes for well over a year at this point, and these things still come out of the wash looking brand new. I legit have shoes I have bought after my Rothy's that have already started falling apart. So these are definitely old reliable for me. Pam, how are your Rothy's treating you? Oh my god, I am shocked by how well these hold up. I was, you know, a little bit curious, dubious when we got ours, but they look brand new every time you wash them. It's kind of amazing. And on top of that, Rothy's are manufactured in a zero-waste factory, and they ship directly in the shoebox, so there's no unnecessary packaging, which makes these feel-good flats in more ways than one. Check out all the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com slash M-I-L-L. Go to rothys.com, that's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash M-I-L-L to get your new favorite flats. Comfort, style, sustainability, these are the shoes you've been waiting for. Head to rothys.com slash M-I-L-L today. Okay, we have two more confessionals. Two years ago, my husband bought us 23andMe kits. We thought it would be fun to find out our ancestry, and it was. Until about eight months ago, when my husband got a notification that he had a new relative match, a half-sister. His parents have been married for over 40 years, and he has never known of having any sibling outside of his existing brother and sister. She is even from the same area of the state that his family has always lived in. We were worried his dad may have had an affair, but it turns out this half-sister was born three years before his parents met. So we believe that maybe his dad doesn't even know she exists. I wanted to tell his family from the beginning, but my husband doesn't mainly because his dad has a terminal disease and his life expectancy isn't very good. I'm just scared that this will come out after his dad passes and his family will never forgive us for sitting on such a huge secret. Dang. I think you're ultimately right that this has to be his call. Yeah. But I think that it would be good for you to try to talk to him about it more because he might regret this later. So just making sure that You've really talked it out and talked about like the possible outcomes here. Like, obviously, if he found, if you found this half sister on Ancestry, then either she or somebody she knows has run her DNA. So there's another potential party out there who could connect the dots and reach out. Right. So this isn't just your secret to keep. Like, you would have to depend on other people not talking about it. Yeah. I imagine she and him have spoken about this a lot. And I wonder, to Laura's point, if, you'd, if you've asked him to consider it from alternate angles. Because maybe he's only thinking of it from him and his father's angle. 
at the moment. At least the angle he assumes his father would take. And is there somebody else in the family you could trust with another opinion here? Who would keep it locked down? I know that can be hard with families, but it might help to have an outside opinion from within the family. Yeah. I mean, I also understand that maybe he's not interested in meeting this half-sister, which is okay. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe he's not interested in in being involved in her life. and, And maybe she's not interested in being involved in his life either. But it is tough because it's like there's so much regret that gets tied up in this. Like, how how do you think his father would react to knowing that he has another child? And like, how much regret might your husband feel after his dad passes, you know, by not having told him the truth about this? Can you also just forget that this ever happened? (laughs) Because, I mean, you got to take that to the grave if you do that, though. (laughs) Fucking 23andMe exposes <laughs> this? Ugh. That's kind of that. messed up that they can just do that, though. Yeah, and for this reason, I will never take a test yeah. like that. Plus, it we've spoken of... on the show about how now they have your DNA and the government might right. be able to get it. Like, no thank they you. They have my DNA. I it don't care. It is a bit of an invasion of privacy, though, for sure. Because I think, Laura, you were saying that maybe she doesn't even want to be involved and I'm assuming if they have her DNA on record, she already knows this. Right. So she hasn't reached out as far as you know. Oh, yeah. Good point. Good point. So that should be considered as well. Yeah. But I think it's it's hard for these services to know when they're crossing a line because they're just being handed data. Right. And told, right. like, okay, compare this data to all the other data we have and produce all of the connections. Like, yeah. they don't know. But you should be able to opt in or opt out of that, you know? And right now you can't. You mean, like, opt out of finding out about half-sisters? Yeah. <laughs> or, like, having your information in their database forever. Don't marry me, mm. 23andMe. <laughs> So you mean that you should be able to opt out of the family connections bit of it entirely and just see like your DNA origins? I kind of feel like maybe, yeah. Mm. I don't know. I can see that. It's yeah. just like, that's so hard. That's such a hard question. I just don't, I feel like it's a little bit unethical right now that, that there are no specifications. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not saying, I don't know what the right or wrong approach is, but I just kind of feel like we're already starting to, but in a couple of years, like we're really going to, they're going to run into an ethical problem of how they're using the data they're collecting, where it's going to, and why, like, just by taking this, this DNA test, because it sounded like a cool idea, like you, you opted in. I don't know. I don't even know if that made made sense, but I think about that every time I walk by the aisle at Target that has these for sale. Yeah, the only so I had mine done through Ancestry because my mom does our family genealogy, and every now and then they kind of update your um your data regions because as they get more data, they're able to get more specific with those data points. So like you will see small variations in your like DNA profile background. And sometimes stuff will just get taken away and I I get pissed off. I'm like, what the hell? (laughs) Like you guys told me I was 11% this and now it's gone. So then I'm like, how much of this can I even believe? That's why you shouldn't say you're African. 
<laughs> oh God. Yeah, no. <laughs> Nobody I mean, like, do that. For multiple reasons, but also. Right. Yeah, like if you're no, just anytime somebody does the whole like, well, if you go back far enough, we're all African. Like, no, shut up. <laughs> Stop. Ooh. Yes, but no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. And on A final, like, more uplifting note. When my friend and I roomed together in college at about age 22, for some reason, we got really into Hannah Montana. (laughs) I don't know if it was because my younger cousins were super into it and I convinced my friend to check it out with me or what, but nonetheless, two college-aged dudes devotingly watched Hannah Montana to find out what each episode's life lesson would be. (laughs) Kind of weird, but... And our confessi says that they misspelled this on purpose, not regerts. I don't know what that means. That must no be regrets. a reference to the show. I feel like it has to be a Hannah Montana yeah. reference. I like how Pam just said no regrets in case we couldn't figure that out. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for you. This sounds like a special bond between you and your roommate. You had your own little secret. You could just shut the door of your dorm and... Be left at peace, you, him, and Hannah Montana. And you lived your <laughs> life and you learned a nice life lesson every 23 minutes. I think that's great. Yeah. I mean, so my college roommate and I had our own bonding experience. We were very obsessed with Rent our freshman year. Mm. And it wasn't like we would watch the movie all the time. We would just put on the soundtrack and sit at our computers and pull up lyrics and like, sing the songs together oh that's cute so like i would usually sing for like mimi or maureen and she would end up singing for like roger or what's the other guy's name mark mark yeah that's right you would think i would remember that (laughs) um but yeah we would like alternate it and we would like serenade each other sometimes we would forget the window was open and get really embarrassed (laughs) that's cute that's beautiful yeah. These Sorry that I outed you on here, Julia, but you know. <laughs> these bonds between roommates are beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's like being yeah, it in a, a relationship. It probably makes living in that <laughs> tiny little room much more bearable. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I, I looked through at that. too, but I know a lot of people have roommate from hell stories. So Me and my roommate bonded over Cash Cab. <laughs> we watched that show for hours at our dorm. I had a bad experience overall because he was smoking pot all the time, and this was before vapes and edibles and all that, so he was smoking, and I would and go home to record MuggleCast. No, I don't even know why. Actually, I did report him once, and he did get yelled at, but I would go home <laughs> for the weekends to record MuggleCast and do my laundry and just get away from him, and he would smoke it up the whole weekend, but even when I was away at class, he would do it too. Uh, one time I walked in on him jerking off and like he had a picture up on his <laughs> laptop of like his girlfriend's like asshole wide open. Like it was, I'm not even kidding. It was, it was wild. That stuck with me. But uh, yeah, besides Clearly. that, we bonded over cash cab. <laughs> oh boy. That was a confessional in and of itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we were going to share our own confessionals today, but it, ended up being a really long episode so we're going to hold them for next week in the spirit of this great episode we will push some more confessing into episode 540 so look forward to that next week we do confess though we would love your support on patreon patreon.com slash millennial 
help us continue to create a community of millennials who are helping one another get through life. And I think we really demonstrated that today. Not that our information was uh, necessarily helpful that we shared. Hopefully it was, but we're trying. We want to create this community, foster this community, and we need your help so we can keep the show going. So again, patreon.com slash millennial. And we will thank you with lots of benefits, including After Dark. And we have another fun topic lined up for After Dark today, right? We do. It's about dealing with flaky friends. Oh, man. We've all been there. It's so fucking frustrating. But it turns out there may be some things about this that we're not considering. So we're going to dive into all of those today. All right. Sounds good. Again, that'll be available at patreon.com slash millennial, and you can listen to our bonus audio content right there on the website, or you can pop a custom RSS feed into most podcasting apps. Quick poll update, by the way, on Patreon while I'm here. 21 people have now said, hell no, the pets are getting kicked out, and still 15 at yes, the pet can stay in the room. It sounds like... Uh, hell no, the pets are getting kicked out is going to win, but it is close. And well, you 15 people are weirdos. Honestly, I wonder how many of those 21 people are lying. <laughs> like, because, you know, like they see that, push that comes one choice shove. is clearly the most popular and they're like, oh, I don't want to be weird on the internet. So I'm just going to choose this. How's this for a story? Margarita says, one time a family cat jumped directly at my partner's butt in the middle of some action and I still laugh (laughs) about it to this day. (laughs) Time now for some recommendations. I want to recommend Pete Souza. Is that how you pronounce his last name? I think so. Yeah. On Instagram. He was the White House photographer for Obama and Reagan. And every day on his Instagram, he throws daily shade at our current president by sharing photos of Obama doing everything correctly. So I really recommend checking him out. It's P-E-T-E-S-O-U-Z-A on Instagram. I would like to recommend CBD oil for those of you who don't live in states where marijuana is legal and have therefore had to set aside your vaping habits. CBD is legal in a lot of places where... um, marijuana is not, including here in Georgia. We have several CBD shops here in Atlanta. CBD does not get you high. It's basically one of the chemical compounds from marijuana that does not contain anything like THC. So it just has the calming elements of it. And it's been really helpful for kind of like helping to manage my anxiety because that's some of what I what I was using the THC for. Um, And this has been giving me similar effects without getting me high. So I really like it and recommend it. I'm glad you brought that up because I've been meaning to try CBD oil for that. So I feel like I would benefit. It also helps you sleep better, right? Yeah. And it's really subtle. Like it doesn't knock you out. Like you don't take it and then immediately feel tired. Like you take it and like the effects take a little while to set in. So if you take it right before bed and go lay down, like you'll drift into a really peaceful sleep. Hmm. We'll have to talk after the show so I can get some recommendations. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I got them. Don't worry. My mom's been taking it too, actually, for her knees. Yeah, they have like topical ointments you can put on if you have any like aches or pains. Mm I personally have an oil that I just put under my tongue twice a day. Ooh. People dose in like all kinds of different ways. I wanted to recommend a book. I wanted to recommend uh, Wayward Son by Rainbow 
Rainbow Rowell. It's the second in her Simon Snow series, which is actually a spinoff of her standalone novel, Fangirl. Um, Fangirl is also really great. Honestly, like all three of these books are super good. Cannot recommend enough, but Wayward Sun just came out and it's, it's really, really good. 100% worth the wait. So if you're looking for something to check out, I would recommend looking that up. I actually do want to read this because it's I so love good. some gay fiction and I've heard some good stuff about this. Do I have to read the first one though? I, I mean, the first one is really good and I would, I mean, why not read them back to back? I think it would give you some yeah. context for the world okay. because it is kind of so for anybody that doesn't know uh fangirl is about uh, a fangirl named kath it's and she's so also a, a big name fan and and she writes fan fiction about um like not harry potter which is simon snow in her world and it takes place during her first year of university so in fangirl there's little excerpts of these Simon Snow books by the the fictional author, but then also uh, segments from her fan fictions too. And then Rainbow Roll wrote the fan fiction, which is Carry On. So it's very like meta, but it makes sense. And it's really good. And the love interest in Fangirl, Levi, my dream man. He's I'm in love boat. with him. Yep. Mm-hmm. Same. If he wants to have sex with me and he wants his dog there, that's fine. <laughs> Levi gets a pass, Paul. If you want to get in touch with us about today's episode, just go to millennialshow.com and use the contact form at the top of the site or email millennialshow at gmail.com. Also, please follow us on social media, Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Bye, everybody. But no one ever discovers In some ways you're just like all your friends But on stage you're a star You get the best of both worlds Chill it out, take it slow Then you rock out the show You get the best of both worlds Mix it all together And you know that it's the best of both worlds